Hello and welcome to my podcast. I'm Jeff Bender and this is Knee Deep episode 18. I appreciate you joining me today and welcome your feedback at my website, jeffmbender.com. Don't forget the M is in more please. This episode is called, I'll take a pink horse with a side order of fries. What was once my art studio has taken on a whole new character since my grandsons opened the door and came in. Now I work off a table that's two feet high and I sit in a chair that makes my thighs feel like I'm in the middle of a workout with a personal trainer. Come to think of it, my grandsons are my personal trainers. They put me through a program that challenges my heart rate and endurance, but unfortunately hasn't done a darn thing for my muscle mass. The heavy lifting I'm doing with them now usually involves broken crayons, stickers, and scissors that have penguin handles. The top of our Elmer's glue bottle is so encrusted with glue boogies that it looks like a prize-winning fungal experiment at a science fair. In my studio, where I'm building relationships and art, big words like composition, symmetry, and perspective are gibberish to the three- and five-year-old. Instead, we talk about the excavators on Blippi, or the best way to eat a popsicle, and we make hats to celebrate imaginary holidays like Take Your Possum to Work Day. Last week, I tried to teach the kids some basic color theory, you know, stuff about the primaries and secondaries. You may remember from grade school that using paint had its challenges in art class. That's because somebody always stuck the blue brush in the yellow paint And the only way you could correct that color was to ask the teacher for black paint to cover up the dark green that came out of the rusty container. For that reason, my early paintings were dark and depressing and made my parents worry that I was influenced by episodes of The Twilight Zone. When we boys create a new episode out in our kid cave, we have no idea what we're doing and even less of an idea what we want to see when we're finished. I rarely talk to them about the elements of art like texture or space or anything else that resembles an art principle. In fact, at this point, I can't really tell where their projects stop and mine take over. Accidents, serendipity, and outright flukes have officially become the governing rules of our working studio with a healthy dash of mystery thrown in for good measure. That's just how our art works. Yesterday, when my heater went out in the studio, I called a repairman to fix it. When he walked in, he stopped for a moment, looked at the artwork on the walls, and said, Oh, wow, did your kids do these? No, I answered, those are mine. He stood for a moment in silence, staring at the artworks, and I wondered for a moment if he was going to ask me if I'd been sniffing too much gas from the pilot light. Then he said, I always loved art but my teacher didn't like what I did. I took a horse I had drawn up to her desk once, which I thought was pretty good. And she said, horses aren't pink. Go back and do it again. After that, I never really thought I was good enough for art. After a half an hour or so, my heater was up and running again, but fixing a rejected artist in his hurt would require some overtime. With the right voice at the right time, Our technician 
could have been the next Henry Matisse or Marc Chagall, both of whom marked their place in art history with the wildest of color schemes. His rejected pink horse would have been a horse my grandsons would have had a thousand questions about. They would have seen it as something to look for flying enchantingly through the clouds, but they would have been upset if a teacher made them change its color. After all, that would take away all the magic. Before he left, my repairman and I agreed that of all subjects, art should be the one subject that allows many different answers. Some, like math or spelling, may have only one best answer. But when we begin insisting that our children invent, draw, build, or design according to one formula, we've gone down the slippery slope of putting a stamp on what the answer has to be. And according to one art teacher, what all horses have to look like. By dismissing our children's imagination, their sense of mystery, we say no to unique ways of problem solving. And in fact, dismiss art as a viable learning process altogether. And of course, we know what happens after that. Poof! We throw the subject of art out of schools altogether. Where mystery goeth, there goeth art. We know this, and we know that volumes and volumes of art books, as well as gardens, museums, and galleries are devoted to beauty as it's revealed through artists seeking answers to their visions. When we allow this mystery to have a place in our lives, we enter their complete and satisfying universe. It is a transcendent vision, is it not, that is revealed when an artist presents us with that one-of-a-kind pink horse, the horse that guides us out of the gloomy woods and lights our understanding of our world. And what's so revealing about the way kids invent is that they are undaunted by anything, materials, tools, and even time itself. The only thing that matters to them when they create is the experience. And the more mysterious the experience, the more engaged they are. Their discovery cloud overhead may look a little bit wild and unpredictable until that cloud opens up. And at that moment, the full effect of a child's imagination unleashes its brainstorm. That's just how art works, and it's part of the child in all of us. Of course, all artists, including my grandsons, go through different phases in their development. Like Picasso, who went through a blue period and a rose period, we boys are also going through a stage called the food period. It began recently when my grandson went for the yellow paint and his brush came out with the remnants of a withered french fry and parts of the plastic wrapper from a Smucker's uncrustable chocolate-flavored hazelnut spread sandwich. I didn't see that coming, said the five-year-old. So we painted the french fry, stapled the wrapper around it, and designated it an official work of art. And just in case our sculpture, a la Klaus Oldenburg, attracted the interest of major Soho galleries, we mounted our sculpture securely on a podium of wood and titled it Uncrustable Sandwich with a Side Order of Fries Number 1. We were so excited about our creation that we thought we'd make a bunch more, develop a whole series of those hazelnut uncrustable sculptures. But then, first we'd have to make another trip to McDonald's to get more fries. That's just how art works. 
Thanks for joining me for this episode of the podcast. Please subscribe so you receive notifications of future episodes. I look forward to wading in knee deep with you next week.